right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. I am Derek Johnson and uh, I am all by myself today. Nobody else is here with me. Oh, wait. Nick Springer's here. Who? <laughs> you were here. That guy? You were here. Nick will not be here hey. uh, for the entirety of the show because he's going to have to head out to High School Sports Weekly later today, which you should go to. It's going to be happening 6 to 7 at Mama's Tamale Shop. It'll air here on KLWN from 7 to 8 after Hog yep. Talk with Brandon Schneider. Through the power of radio, <laughs> it's going to air later. Yes. Uh, we're going to be joined by Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, coming up at 445 Darnell Jackson, D-Block, uh, former national champion for KU basketball, former All-Big 12 selection, had a, a lengthy career in the pros, whether it was in the NBA or overseas. He's going to join us coming up at 5.05. He's got a new book out, so we're excited to talk to him about that and uh, see how you can get your hands on that book. Uh, off the top here, though, before we get into our KU football fun with numbers segment that we do on Thursdays, Last night, Lance Leipold was at Hawk Talk, which you could have heard right here on KLWN. And we talked yesterday that there was that rumor, kind of an unsubstantiated rumor going around from just kind of a random source. Like It, it wasn't like somebody who seemed super plugged in uh, that Lance Leipold interviewed with Michigan State. And we we talked about it yesterday that we didn't want to substantiate it too much, so we didn't put too much into it. But, you know, we, we, we just at least mentioned it because people were talking about it. Um, but this is what he said last night on Hawk Talk. This is the only interview that basically he's done over the last 48 hours, and that's the way it's going to be. He later said Kansas is the last job he's going to have. Hmm. Well, you know, Derek, there's a lot of ways to interpret that. Wait a minute. No, there's not. No, yeah. <laughs> Here's where I'm at with this whole thing, though, to be completely honest. I just don't really care what's said or reported one way or another right now. I kind until of it's Until it's like, like if, if Bruce Feldman comes out and he's like, Lance Leipold is interviewing for the job right now or uh Lance Leipold is interested in the job or Lance Leipold is taking the job unless something like that happens I'm not going to get worried about random person saying he interviewed for the job and I'm also not going to get overly confident about him saying I want to be a Kansas or something like that right because we've seen this this dog and pony show before with other coaches across the country and I'm not saying this is how Lance Leipold operates it's, it's different for every coach but my point is we've seen coaches before say one thing and then they don't do it or they say I'm going to be here and then they leave for another school yeah dude right dude you take a job yeah and you expect that you're going to be there exactly and then you know life happens or something happens and maybe that ends up not being the case so basically the way I'm writing it is I'm not saying like this is going to happen or that going to happen. I'm just saying, enjoy what you got while you got it. And if Lance Leipold's here for the rest of his career, awesome. That'd be, that'd be pretty but sick. It would be. It would be really cool. Um, but just try not to worry about it. You know, if it yeah, happens, it happens. If, it, no, if I, we I cross that. that bridge, we will cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, listen. Stop worrying about it. Enjoy the rest of the season. You're number 16 in the college football playoff. You're 7-2. and two. You're about to be playing uh, against Kansas State in Sunflower Showdown, the most anticipated Sunflower Showdown maybe ever. 
you don't want to be so lost in this coaching crap of where what's going to happen that you lose sight of the present, that you lose sight of what is going you know on what right the now. The present which is, is really cool. Exactly, KU is doing well, which is nice. It's really cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where I kind of agree with you on that a little to that to that extent at least that you know you you don't want to let something like this worry you to the point where you lose sight of what's happening right now, which is the greatest Kansas football season since two thousand eight, basically yeah. so far. <clears throat> yeah, enjoy it. So anyway, here's some numbers you could possibly enjoy. Fun that with numbers will help you enjoy it even more. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jason Bean right now has a 75.8 total QBR. This number's been tossed around a, a good amount this week. That is third in the Big 12 and 20th in the country. So uh, for what it's worth, if you're wondering, well, what is Jalen Daniels? Well, Jalen is an 83.6, which would be sixth in the country, which is actually one spot ahead of Caleb Williams and uh, one spot behind Dylan Gabriel. But it doesn't matter. The end result here, Kansas leads the Big 12 in yards per pass. They led the Big 12 in yards per pass a season ago. Point being, Kansas is so fortunate to have a backup quarterback that is, like, think about it. Kansas has two of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. That's that's remarkable. Yeah, and obviously Jason Bean has just been getting better and better, and his confidence continues to grow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Jason Bean comes back, and we don't really expect him to play because of Jalen Daniels. But, I mean, I started thinking about this, Derek, all through preseason and almost every week when the question is, you know, who's standing out to you in fall camp? Who's standing out to you in practice? Jason Bean. Hmm. Jason Bean. I mean, even before the Jalen Daniels injury stuff happened, Coach uh, Coach Zabrowski made the comment about how Jason Bean's the most improved player he's ever seen. And that was before you even thought he was going to have to play. I just had a weird thought. Is, J- is Jason Bean? I mean, he has to continue this. There's, there's many more games to go. Is Jason Bean playing his way into? And, and I don't know what he wants personally. Last year, he was ready to walk away from football. Is Jason Bean playing himself into having a a playing career? Like, I'm not necessarily saying as like a first round draft pick, but like, like whether it's Canada, whether it's on a practice squad, like is he well, playing dude, his way into having? Look a at shot some of the quarterbacks. Football? Look at some of the quarterbacks that are playing like in the NFL Tyson right now. Agent right now, who we're going to see tonight for the Bears. The guy that you love, Tommy DeVito. Oh, no. Like, is Jason bad. Bean better than yes. Tommy DeVito? I, I feel very cut. Yes. Jason Bean is better than Tommy DeVito. Yeah, no. I mean, listen, if, if KU ends up going 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two and they win their bowl game and, you know, Jason Bean leads them to win their bowl game or whatever happens there, I don't understand how you can't take a look at him. I mean, he's got electrifying speed, mm-hmm. and it's clear that uh, he's, he's improving, you know, statistically – Significantly, yeah, beyond uh, what he's been doing previously. So I don't understand how you don't give him a look. You know, I mean, maybe he wants to have a pro day and see what see what see what happens there. Yeah, you know? I, I just think it's kind of interesting with with how well he's playing. Well, now, with again, the speed he has, again, keep, keep it going. It, I, I I hate to make assumptions here, but it feels like he could just swap to receiver at any moment and have maybe some success. Speed wise, yes, but like there's there's a certain amount of you have I know to be I'm extremely able to break simpl- tackles and take hits. I, know I'm and extremely, I don't know that that's something he wants to do. I know that I'm extremely simplifying yeah. that situation, but well, I don't know, he's maybe got great he speed. wants to be done with football, right? Maybe this is his last draw and he's cool hanging him up, right? Like you know, Friday night lights, the old Tim Ringens thing. You throw the cleats up there and, and that's going to be it when uh, he's done with his his career. But he's been awesome, and uh, I think those numbers just kind of back it up. But it also shows that, yeah, Jalen Daniels, like, let's not forget, I know it's been a tumultuous season this year with the injury, and it's been frustrating for fans with the lack of clarity on the injury. 
Uh, let's not forget Jalen Daniels is also still very good. Uh, anyway, uh, Kansas ranks 18th in the country right now on pro football focus in pass block grade. They are ninth in the country in run blocking grade. So that's something that's held up over the course of the year. The blocking's been great. Yeah. There are just 10 teams, including KU, who are top 25. KU's top 20 in both. There are just 10 teams who are top 25 in both. Oregon, might have heard of them. Georgia, who? heard of them. Uh, Miami. Couple weird ones. Oh, SMU's been actually really good this year, so maybe that's not a weird one. UConn, that one's really weird. So Aren't I guess they bad. They are. So I guess the rest of their team is just bad. They're the worst <laughs> skilled players ever. Uh, Louisiana, who's pretty good in the Sun Belt. Washington, they're pretty good. Florida State. So I mean, with with Oregon, Georgia, Washington, Florida State, you have four of the top six teams in the country, and then UTEP, and then you, who's also not too good this year. But I think that's more of a skill <laughs> position thing for them. Anyway, uh, Kansas is on a short list of that. That's pretty impressive. And and that's that's where you go with it. We know KU has, okay, we just talked about quarterback play. Good. Uh, running backs, best duo in the conference, if not the country. Yeah. Receivers. I mean, they're top 10 mm. right now. They're top five right now in pro football focus and receiving grade. We know they have a litany of tight ends. So you have all these things. What about the offensive line? They've been great so far this year. And, and that helps those other positions succeed too. But yeah, I mean, uh, offensive line... Uh, Hank Fuchs, man, the way that he has overhauled you mean Scott Fuchs. I'm sorry, Hank Fuchs is his <laughs> son. His son. <laughs> we we broadcast the Free State game, so yes, Scott Fuchs. Um, the way that he has helped overhaul this offensive line, it's you know, it's it's a combo. It's it's everybody. It's the recruiting. It's yeah. bringing in transfers like Dominic Pooney, but it's him as well. I mean, as as great as and as much credit as as Andy Kotelnicki and Lance Leipold and all these guys get among all the position coaches to me. That's the one that I think deserves the most credit. It was bad, the KU offensive line, two, three. I mean, it was like, it was a, it was Not a safety very good. hazard. Yeah. And now it is one of the best in the country. Well, I mean, look at Jalen Daniels' first game against Oklahoma back when he was a freshman. That, you want to talk about safety hazards. That was a safety hazard. I mean, yeah. he was getting pummeled back there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, dude, significant improvement, and, and it's great to see. And I think that's almost reflected in the fact that you are seeing Jason Bean play a lot better, and you are seeing the running backs having success because where does that normally all originate from? Oh, the offensive line. Wow, they're doing good. Oh, shocking. You know, it makes sense, right? It's like building blocks. You know, these things these things do well, then you just build up on top of that even more. So, and Jason Bean has had games where that that to me is maybe the the thing with Jason Bean where I, I noticed this against Iowa State too, where he had time to just sit in the pocket and read the defense, mm-hmm. and when and I think it's a combo of the offensive line doing a great job, but also Jason Bean's maturity of instead of just immediately scrambling when his first read is first option is not open, he's had the time and the poise and the patience to keep his eyes downfield in the pocket. I mean, you go back to the fourth and sixth play against Oklahoma, right? His first read wasn't there. He's got three guys bearing down on him. He just falls back, dime straight to uh, Lawrence Arnold. So, and, and again, it starts with the offensive line. So that that makes a lot of sense that that they are having that level of success and. With the receivers, uh, you mentioned the receiving grade there. One of the things with the receivers that I find so incredible is that it's such an unselfish group of receivers that KU has. And by the way, uh, Michigan's one, Washington's two, Oregon State's three, KU's four. In receivers? There. Yeah, yeah, for receiving grade. Yeah, and I, I think they're just so unselfish. And think about that, man. I mean, well, the wide receiver position is rightly or wrongly branded as like, the diva position, right? Where yeah. it's like, you know, you got guys who maybe have a screw loose a little bit yeah, sure. in some instances. I mean, and they're, they're, just... they're guys on social media that do the things you hate. They'll, they'll tweet the cryptic <laughs> yes. emojis to be like, oh, what are they talking about? Like, what's going wrong here, you know? Yeah, but this KU group is the complete opposite. They are so unselfish. And I, I kind of asked Quentin Skinner about that yesterday, about the fact that 
you know, you've got these different guys, and it's not necessarily that one guy's going to have six, seven, eight catches a game, but the fact that every single one of those dudes, when their number is called, they all step up. I mean, look at the and Iowa they State They all block, game. too. Yeah. Well, and look at the Iowa State game. Doug Emelian and Tanaka Scott make two pretty critical catches in the game. And those two dudes have been guys that have not really been relied on much throughout the season, but when their number was called, they stepped up. Quentin Skinner goes without saying. Dude had a top 10 sports center catch in that game, right? Uh, Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, I mean, all those dudes, None of them, you're not seeing any of them get a ton of volume in terms of catches, but they're so reliable, and they always answer the call when their number is called, and it's just, it just, it's very, very impressive, and it's so unusual, it's, it's, it's almost unsettling, because you just don't expect that to be the case. Yeah, I, I, that is kind of an interesting part of all this, and, um, in a way, it almost, like, gets you prepared for the NFL. I know Andy Kotelnicki's talked about this before, but, like, For a lot of these guys, you're going to go to the NFL if, if you're not a Marvin Harrison and you're a receiver is drafted in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, undrafted, whatever. You might only get one or two targets your way in an NFL game, right? Like, And so it is a little bit like, what else are you going to do for me? It is a little bit preparatory, almost like uh, similar to, I don't know, I guess uh, I guess kind of like uh, in an NBA game, like if a college basketball player is good at you know, one specific skill or if they're good at um, like three-point shooting where they can be a role player in the NBA. Like that's kind of what it feels like you're being prepared for as these receivers, and it's really cool. By the way, I went back and looked, and uh, the KU offensive line, they played nine games in 2020, so the last year of Les Miles' regime before Lance Leipold took over the next year. Do you want to guess how many times? Here, I'll give you, okay. Iowa State, Kansas State led the Big 12 in 2020 with the least sacks against with 14, okay? Okay. Um, ninth in the Big 12 was Baylor at 31. Kansas was 10th that year with most sacks against, and they did it in nine games. One of the games got canceled because of COVID. How many sacks would you like to guess they gave up that year? Well, let's see. Oklahoma that year, they gave up like 10, I think. <laughs> oh, dude, it's probably like 45. 47. Ah, uh, That's insane. That's almost, that's what, over five sacks Have they even given up that many sacks over the last three years? Yeah, they have. Oh, 47 sacks? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't think, think so. No. I mean, last year it's they crazy. were last year they were first the, or second in the Big 12. I know 2021 they were first in the Big 12, although that felt more like a product of, hey, we're still trying to work on the offensive line. Let's find ways to not we're, – we're going to run the ball, run the clock. We're going to you know throw quickly, yeah. get out of our hand. Last year was a product of a good offensive line. But, yeah, both years I think they were under 20, if not under 15. Yeah. And then this year, you're you're under 15 right now. So yeah, you have less sacks. I, I feel comfortable saying that um, over the three years of the light pole era than you did the last year before. That is uh, absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another fun stat: Devin Neal is averaging eight and a half yards per carry on 39 attempts when he runs between the left tackle and the tight end, which I think speaks. I mean, I mean, we know Dominic Pooney is a stud. We know we've talked that like Jared Casey or the tight ends are always making key blocks. And I think that's the proof in the pudding right there. That is their bread and butter. When they're able to run off Pooney with Jared Casey, you know, hooking a guy around the edge or, or making that key block, like that has been a really important play for KU. Yeah. And I thought Devin Neal gave some great insight, which we'll, we'll get that in, uh, audio, I think, tomorrow on tomorrow's show uh, about because so Dominic Pooney, ahead of the Iowa State game, he was asked about the difference in what it means for the offensive line in terms of, you know, blocking a three-man front or blocking against a 3-3-5 defense. And he, and he gave an excellent explanation uh, that was incredibly fascinating. And so I, I went back and I asked Devin Neal kind of a similar question, like, from the running back's perspective, what changes? 
And he basically, you know, said that, hey, when you're in that, when you have that situation, there's always one free guy as a running back that you have to identify when you're taking the ball that you know you're going to have to either make him miss or, or get him out of position one way or the other. And I, I thought it was an incredibly insightful answer from Devin Neal about how a running back views a play, right? How, how a running back is viewing a play when they're getting the ball. What, you know, what goes into having good vision? You know, it's easy to say a guy has good vision, but what, what makes him have good vision? What makes him a running back that can, that can find those, those seams? And, and Devin Neal kind of talked about that, about how, you know, when you have, when you have a certain blocking scheme, there are, there are different plays where you're looking to identify if you're the running back, the one guy that you need to find a way to make miss to get to the second level. And, I think he does a great job of doing that, and obviously with the with the blocking that KU has as well, uh, with with what Dominic Tumini was saying about how, you know, w- when there's a three man front, you, there's a little bit more communication involved, and you have to try to block and, and whatnot. But against the four man front, it's a lot easier. And I think with KU, you're you're seeing that success with the with the running game, with the communication of the offensive line, plus an extension of that with the tight ends and everything. And you know, it's it's so incredible. It's it's like a it's like a symphony. I mean, you yeah. watch those guys and. You know, it's one of those things where it almost seems like everybody, they all are moving individually and, and understanding their individual jobs, but they're doing it all in sync to where it looks like just one unit, right? And then you and then you follow it up with Devin Neal, who is very explosive and can find lanes and has that great vision. It's 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 awesome to watch. It's it's really cool to watch. And I think when you hear from the players like that, it makes it it makes you watch those plays a little bit more closely to say, oh, okay, this is what he's talking about. This is what Devin Neal's talking about when he says, there's the one guy you got to find a way to make miss. You know, this is what Dominic Pony is talking about when he says, you know, if there's a three-man front or a four-man front, you have to have more communication. You start to see that stuff, and it's it's incredibly enlightening and incredibly fascinating, and I think it speaks to these stats as well, that when you have those things and when you have players that can analyze and dissect what needs to be done at a high level within – you know, the second of the snap of the ball, the end result is big gains like this from guys like Devin Neal. Okay, uh, this one was pointed out to me by Scott Chasen, who I can't remember if he got it from uh, seeing it somewhere else and just informed me of it, but uh, shout out to him for sending me this. Uh, KU's defense, this is just kind of a wild one. KU's defense has four touchdowns, right? That means KU's defense has scored more touchdowns than KU's leader in receiving touchdowns. Luke Grimm has three of them. That is crazy to me. And it's not an indictment on the receiver. We just talked about how good the receivers have been. Yeah. Uh, If anything, it's celebration for the defense. It's just a crazy number. But, I mean, it makes sense when you start thinking about how balanced the KU offense is. Um, What what I think is crazy, though, if if I told you before the season, KU to this point was going to have four defensive touchdowns, how many of those do you think would be Kobe Bryant pick sixes? I know Kobe has the one off the forced fumble that he returned. But you would probably think one or two of them, right? Yeah, at least one. Yeah. Instead, you got Zero. two from Mello, one from Kenny, Kenny Logan, and then, and then the, 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 the fumble, fumble six. Kobe. Yeah. yeah, which in a way is basically saying, oh, well, he did have one. But it's just, it's just kind of funny you thought that would have been the case. I guess he almost but had dude, one against Oklahoma State. How do you get a pick six if the ball's never thrown yeah, your way because you're just locking dudes up? Makes it tough, for sure. Who knows? Maybe this is the week um, that he gets the ball thrown his way a couple more times. Because Mello Dotson, back-to-back games with a pick six, yeah. maybe there's a chance for Kobe. Well, and obviously on top of that, with, with Mello's status, a bit questionable, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who knows what, what what's what's going on there, so that maybe that might uh, give Kobe a chance. Yeah, that goes one of two ways. If if Melo doesn't play, they probably definitely avoid Kobe at that yeah. point. But if Melo does play, maybe it's a little more balanced, and and maybe there's still 
you know, kind of a little hesitant to go after Kobe, but they're like, okay, you know, let's let's go there a few more times with, with the way Melo's kind of rolling right now, too. Uh, this is just kind of an interesting, this is a little quiz question I have for you. Melo Dotson's leading KU with eight pass deflections this year. Mm. Second on the team is five. Would you like to guess who that is? Mm. I'm assuming it's not Kobe Bryant. Mm. I bet it's something funny. I bet it's like... <laughs> I bet it's like Craig Young or something. It is someone funny. You're on the right track. It is not Craig Young. This player is also second on KU in tackles for loss and sacks. It is Jeremy Robinson. <laughs> is second on KU in pass. How do they? So how do they? How do they? So what? He, so if you tip a pass from the okay. line of scrimmage, that that would count for for his sake. From the okay. corner's sake, you you know. Yeah. You're not gonna have the chance to tip it at the line of scrimmage most likely unless you're corner blitzing. But um, I guess that that mm. shows more like. Jeremy Robinson, that, that's a good skill to have as a defensive lineman. Get your oh, hands yeah. up. If you're not going to get there, you can knock down a pass. Those plays can be so huge. It's such a back, backbreaker if you're a quarterback and you're like, oh, I had that guy wide open, but I couldn't get it there. Dude, yeah. I mean, listen, speaking from a fan experience, it is so depressing when that happens. You're like, dude, damn it. <laughs> like, it just, it just, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. It just sucks, man. All right, I got two key stats that I want to go over here real quick. Uh, KU under Lance pulled two key stats since 2022. So I didn't count 2021 as first year. Uh, that was like year zero. It skews some of the numbers, whatever. Okay. So last year and this year, KU is 10 and two when they have one or less turnovers. So zero or one turnover offensively, they're 10 and two. Both losses, Texas. Mm. They're three and seven when they have two plus turn- turnovers. Mm. So if you're looking for keys for Texas Tech, there's one. Protect. The ball. The other one, KU is 10-0 and under Lance Leipold since last year. When giving up four and a half yards per carry or less, they are 3-9 and nine when they do not. And that becomes yeah. apparent because Taj Brooks is averaging about five yards per carry, yep. and he is one of the best backs in the Big 12. Sixth in the country in rushing yards, over 1,000 yards. Uh, he, he will be tough to stop. And I think, I think he's also... Is he number one in the country in, uh, in pro football focus in, in like missed tackle was rate? Yesterday, yeah, yeah in missed tackle rate. Uh, so he makes guys miss in the open field. That'll be tough to deal with for Kansas. But uh, again, the, for Texas Tech, you know they're they're a balanced offense. They will try to u- utilize the pass game as well. So Kansas can't they can't necessarily key in one way or the other. I think on Texas Tech to totally eliminate or totally mitigate their offense. But but yeah, it certainly feels like Taj. It kind of starts and ends with Taj Brooks for for Texas Tech on the ground. And so if you want to slow down Texas Tech, and okay, little little diatribe here for a second, dude. The other problem I have with uh, if you can't stop the run, especially against an up-tempo team, because we Oklahoma did this last year especially, if they know you can't stop the run, they just run HB dive over and over and over and over again. They just run the same play, and they just run tempo really, really quick, and it just gets harder and harder and harder to stop it the more they run it. So you have to establish that you can at least slow down the run a little bit because otherwise some of these up-tempo teams will just say, if you're not going to stop, if you can't stop the run, we're just going to spread to the line and hand it off every single mm-hmm. play. Yeah, hey, Oklahoma did that a lot with with Eric Gray last year. Yeah, that that's a good call. Um, it's I I don't think it's it's right. I think it should be illegal for Texas Tech to have a really good running back. I'm used to you know all my life Texas Tech throw the ball around, air raid, not you know avoid the still, run. They still kind of do that, but not really. But I, I don't think it's fair. They shouldn't be allowed. Like it's like Wisconsin's not allowed to have a a great quarterback. You know, it's it's not fair. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think Texas Tech should be allowed to have a good running back. I don't, I don't like that. I okay. don't like that at all. Go tell Taj Brooks that. Uh, by the way, what's your call on, because uh, you've been saying this the last couple of weeks, what you've wanted exactly. to do. Should KU take the ball first or kick it first? 
I'm thinking take it first. You think take it first in this Yeah. Week? Yeah. <sighs> I think when you play an up-tempo team, there's it, something it about you get the ball first and you can kind of slow down the tempo to Dictate start the game. That, yeah. and maybe, you know, because right, right off the bat, if you get the ball first, maybe your jitters are up a little bit. And I don't know, maybe it gives you more energy on the first drive, especially if you're running up tempo. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like wouldn't, against tempo I wouldn't hate first. deferring because you're at home, and I would think that your defense will be juiced. Like, like you know, the the energy in the stadium will be at its highest for the opening kickoff. And if your defense is going out there first with a with a juiced up crowd behind them on that first drive, I don't think I don't think it's a bad call to not take the ball here. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to a KU women's basketball recap coming up next. We're going to have some uh, KU football audio throughout the show. Darnell Jackson, 505, voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney at 445. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST on KLWN. We mentioned yesterday Rakeese Passmore signed and, and gave the quote from Bill Self. Uh, later in the day, LeBaron Phylon also signed his national letter of intent. And today, Flory Badunga signed his national letter of intent with KU, which we still don't have clarity if it's Badunga or Badunga. Badunga but dunk. hope. We need the Badunga dunks. Badunga now. dunk. Anyway, uh, this is what Bill Self said on LeBaron Phylon. Um, when I had a chance to watch and study LeBaron, I saw exactly what Coach Case has been telling me all along. He's athletic, he has vision, he has handles, he can play some point, but can also score. He is very underrated. Coach Case deserves the credit for the recruitment of LeBaron. He has stayed in close contact with him and his family for a couple of years now. So, uh, Phylon, someone who is known as kind of a scoring combo guard, which we've seen Bill Self have so much success with those types of guys. Uh, meanwhile, for Badunga, um, here is his quote. Flory is the headliner of our recruiting class thus far. That's kind of interesting. What's interesting about that? He said thus far? Does that imply <laughs> they're, they're going to land someone? I don't think so, no. Okay. I think you're reading Why would much. he say thus far? I think you're, I think you're reading Why much. else would he say that? I, I, I think... <laughs> I think they're decommitting Cooper Flag and going to land him. I think that's the only way to take that quote. Anyway, uh, Flory's the headliner of our recruiting class thus far. He rated by many to be one of the top players in this year's recruiting class. Flory is an elite athlete. He can play above the rim. He changes ends as well as anybody. He's getting stronger and developing more offensive skill. He's probably as good a prospect that we've had inside in quite some time. Coach Case did a great job with recruiting Flory and his family. So there you go. There's your info on uh, all the three players. And again, so far, so so far, Eric Queen, dun, dun, on down, dun. still available. I don't even know. Whatever. Uh, I don't know. Some international. I'm more of a like somebody internationally. Yeah, I guess that could be mid semester to try to you know add more yeah. players. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a conversation for another day. KU women's basketball dominant outing last night in their season opener, 88 to 46 over Northwestern State. And that puts them to one and zero on the season, just dominant from from the get go. So good stuff yeah. all around from the men and the women's team to, to get things started. Thirty to nine after the first quarter for the KU women's basketball team. They ended up setting a single season or not a single season. I'm sorry, a single game school record with sixteen made three pointers. Did they yeah. make the hoops? Did they make the nets bigger at Allen Fieldhouse for their first two well, games? First of all, all the threes are falling. The, What's up? First of all, making the nets bigger wouldn't. Change. Anything. I guess that's true. Okay, the rim is bigger. You have to increase the diameter of the rim, right? Diameter, is that right? I don't know. I, I dude, I got to see in geometry. Uh, yeah, yeah, diameter. diameter. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> no, no, dude, the nets wouldn't change anything. You can make the nets as big as you want, dude. You know what we should do? Make the nets nine feet long. Why? So that 
every what time is wrong you score, with it looked like the one ball of those like at the carnival. <laughs> where yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball like you would trip on the net. No, you wouldn't trip on the net if it was nine feet long. Yes, it wouldn't would. be touching the ground. It would be a foot above it. People's That's the whole feet, idea. When they pick it up, their foot could get caught in the little holes between the nets, and they could trip. Okay, then make it like a tube. What? You shoot and you score, and then, you know, comes down. And that is whoop. the worst idea you've ever had. <laughs> I know that's not true because I've had much worse ideas. No, that, but this is the worst. No, no, listen. You have it, you know, you shoot it and you score and then, you know, it goes down and straight back down and then you keep and then you can play right away. Okay, or the ball just goes through the hoop and the guy picks it up anyway, which he's already doing, and you keep playing. <laughs> you don't need to fix something that's not broken. <laughs> All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, KU's defense, really good. Held Northwestern State to 27% from the floor. And uh, this is crazy. KU blocked 10 shots. Northwestern State made a total of 15 field goals. So they almost had as many shots blocked as they did go yeah. in. And a lot of that was with uh, Tyana Jackson. Yeah. Had another day at the game. office for yep. five 14 blocks. points, 10 rebounds, handful of blocks. Um, big, uh, I guess, I don't know, uh, achievement day for a lot of the players. Like uh, there was the, the single game school record with the 16 threes. Which, by the way, I do think that is indicative of, of something that I mean, first of all, we did have questions. Okay, Holly Kerskeeter was an unbelievable three-point shooter two years ago. Last year, efficiency dipped a bit. I think some of that was dealing with an injury. Some of it maybe just bad luck and whatever it is. So you were looking for her to bounce back. But also, KU's playing a four-guard lineup. And theoretically, if you're going to play that way, helps to have Tyana Jackson manning the middle. Um, <laughs> well, you still need to shoot the ball well. You need to shoot the ball well, and you're going to be expected to because you're playing four guards. Well, that, that's a good first time. But anyway, Wyvet Mayberry had 17 points. She surpassed 1,000 in her career, which now KU has three players with 1,000 career points between Wyvett Mayberry, Holly Kerskeeter, and then uh, Zakaya Franklin. And Tiana Jackson is within 200 points of becoming the fourth on the team. Uh, Kerskeeter also moved into the top 10 all-time in the KU career scoring list with her effort in the game. And then we also got to see Samaya Nichols' debut. And Nichols wound up with seven points, three rebounds, three assists. And this was good to see two of five from three. Because with Nichols, she probably you know won't, won't get as many shots as Franklin or Kerskeeter or with Mayberry. You know, she's going to be more pick and choose. And... Um, going back to the idea of playing that other, uh, playing those other guards, and with Nichols, there's going to be times she has a mismatch where she's more of a guard playing the four. You're probably going to get some open threes out of that, so knock them down. And she yeah. did in the first game, going two of five from three. Yeah, I mean she has the size at uh, over six foot, and also the ability and the ball handling of a, of a guard. So to your point, you 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 think that I think regardless of the matchup, if she's playing that four position, I would think that you would like her chances of being able to you know shoot threes or get inside and and you know. Maybe bully around that that opponent a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had questions about what was the rotation off the bench going to look like. You get 25 minutes from Ryan Cobbins, so it's clear she has a big role, uh, who's the uh, transfer from Alabama. Skyler Gill, 23 minutes off the bench, transfer from North Alabama, really good defender. Uh, so it seems like those two clearly in the rotation. seems like maybe your top seven feels set. We heard Brandon Schneider at Media Day saying he wants to play eight, if not nine typically in the rotation. Yeah. So that leaves it probably two spots. Zofia Telegdi only played four minutes. I feel like her numbers are going to go up. Uh, Paris Gaines, Mackenzie Smith, Denai Papadopoulou all played between 10 to 11 minutes. So basically that that indicates there that's kind of a four-player uh, competition for two spots, mm -hmm. realistically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, with, with Lanai, uh, 
we wondered if she was going to play. Obviously, a big recruit from Spain. Maybe she's more of a long-term player to be a, a long-term replacement once you lose some of these guards. So uh, things coming together in the first game for KU Women's Basketball. They'll be back at it on Monday at Penn State. That one at 5 o'clock. Pre-game is going to start at 445 right here on KLWN. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We're going to get some Brian Borland audio coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. About half past four on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us in about 20 minutes from right now. We have to update our NFL betting midseason. So. Well, okay, do we yeah. have to? No. I've looked and I have I'm You're not, perfect. I'm not doing very good. Oh, well then here's your chance to, you know, they always say if you if you're losing what, and, and you're not doing well in gambling, just keep going. Well, what's ridiculous? <laughs> what's ridiculous? Do not say that Please about that. Gamble safely. Yeah. <laughs> what's ridiculous about that is I've been doing so great week to week. I mean, I'm way better than you on our regular game picks week to week. No, this is the big money. But my season the picks the real stuff that matters. My season picks have been terrible. Well, last year you ended up making about $470. I made 2200. No big whoop. Um, anyway, so this is what we got for this year. So uh, you can you can add anything you want. We're going to go through. Feel free to add where you want. Uh, in the preseason, both of us took the Ravens at plus 235 to win the AFC North. I think feeling good about that. Uh, yeah. Right now, they're minus 130 if you want to double down. Bengals are plus 270. You've been all about the Bengals lately. <laughs> Do you dare take the Bengals? I was all about them making the playoffs. Okay. I don't. I. They still play each other twice, I think. I, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, man, I'm not doubling down because I like my Ravens pick, but I don't like it enough to double down. I'm not doubling down. Okay, but uh, I will. I'll I'll maintain with the Ravens. All right, uh, AFC East. You took the Jets at plus two seventy. Unfortunately, the Aaron Rodgers situation happened. Yeah, brutal. I took the Bills at plus one twenty. I could double down. They're plus two seventy, but we we talked about the schedule the other day. Very tough, tough. They have the toughest yeah. schedule left in the NFL. Um, you don't like the Patriots at plus 25,000? No, I do not at all. Uh, I'm going to actually take Miami, minus 225. I, I know it's... Oh, that's bad value. You're, I, I know, but it's not as bad as some of these other ones. Like, the Lions are sitting there at minus well, 1,100. You don't have to add anything. I know I don't, but I feel very confident the Dolphins are winning their division. Have you, but here's the deal. Think about last year. Yeah. They collapsed. They did. Collapsed in the second half of the season last year. Okay, so What's they're one game up on the, the Bills thing? right now, right? Okay. They uh, they did lose to the Bills, though. They did. Already. They one did. time. That was with a healthier Bills team, so we'll see. But anyway, uh, the Bills' upcoming schedule is Broncos-Jets, then at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, versus Dallas, at L.A. Chargers. Well, we've already been over this. They're going to beat the Chiefs. I know, better. but they could lose two or three of those. <laughs> and at that point, they would have six or seven losses. Yeah, they're what? They're five and three right now? They're five and four right now. Five, would give them five either, and four? Yes. What? Yeah. Jeez. They lost to the Bengals. So they would either be at at six or seven losses at that point. So for the Dolphins, that means they could afford two or three losses the rest of the way. And here's their next uh, four games. Raiders at Jets at Commanders versus the Titans. Jeez. Oh, and then they have the Jets at home after I that. I mean, that is the murderer's row of teams that stink. So I think it's the schedule. I think there actually could be better value here. I, I think minus 225 is not that bad of value. I'm basically, by taking this, um, I'm basically admitting some sort of loss, but I'm trying to mitigate the loss. Are you okay. adding anything? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I'll just I'm just gonna take my take my loss. AFC South. You had the Jags before the season. They were minus one fifty five. Now they're minus four seventy five. Yeah, I, I had the Titans at one. plus three fifty. Now the Titans are not going to win the division. No, they're not. I don't want to take the Texans at plus five hundred. There's no value in the Jags minus four seventy five. I'm yeah. just going to leave it and yeah. take my loss. Yeah. 
and you can take your win. I'll take my win. Thank you. AFC West, we both took the Chiefs at minus 165 before the season started. They are now minus 900, <laughs> so no need to double down there, and uh, I guess no need to, I don't know, heads the bet, right? Yeah. I mean, the Chargers, it would take a big resurgence and a big regression by the Chiefs. Yes. So. So not worth betting on. NFC North, you had the Vikings before the season, plus 290. Now they're plus 800 if you want to double down. I had the Packers at plus 400. That ain't happening. Dude, I like Josh Dobbs, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the only doubling. bet that you could actually make here would be Vikings plus 800. But are you that confident they're going to usurp the line? Because you're not going to take lines at minus 1,100. No value there. <laughs> I am tempted to take So at minus 1,100, on a $100 bet, you win what? Less than $10. 11? Like $9, okay, something $9. like that. Yeah. Is that worth it? No. No, I don't think so either. Um, <laughs> here's the Vikings schedule. Versus the Saints at the Broncos. W. Versus the Bears. Maybe W. At w. the Raiders. W. At the Bengals. L. Versus the Lions. Probably an L. Mm, they're at home. Versus the Packers at the Lions. So they still play the Lions twice. Okay. They're only a game back or a so game they, and a half. So they I play think. the Lions twice in three play weeks, Play the Lions too? twice, and they also have the Raiders, Bears, Broncos, and Packers. That is a pretty soft... Remaining schedule. Plus 800 left. might be good odds. But, dude. It's just hard to see Joshua Dobbs winning agreed. the division. It Especially really with Justin Jefferson still out, right? So I, don't know when, I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know. But I, I'm not going to pull the trigger as much as I want to. Uh, NFC East. We both had the Eagles minus 135. Are you interested at all in the Cowboys now at plus 370? Because they still play the Eagles. Mm. Eagles have a really tough schedule coming already, up here. Cowboys already lost to them once, though. Yes, but they get this next one in Dallas. And, and that honestly, Dallas could have easily won that game. They could have. The Eagles were trying to not win. And here's the Eagles' upcoming schedule. At Kansas City. L. Versus the Bills, who are going to be desperate. Probably. Which could be well, a win or loss. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe. They'll be favored. Coin but flip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, versus the 49ers. Tough game. For again. Sure. At Dallas. Tough game. At Seattle. I mean, they could go a two and three that in that stretch. Feels like it's tough right now, but I don't think we'll be that tough, actually. Probably. But if they go two and three in that stretch, that puts them at nine and four. Can the Cowboys get to that mark? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to stick with the Eagles here. I am too. I'm not going to touch it, but I am tempted by the Cowboys there. Mm. NFC South, you had the Saints plus 105. They're now minus 175. Dude, I just want to nuke the NFC South. Yeah, let's just, just move on. Nuke from this. the whole thing. the Falcons plus 200. They still are. Um, <laughs> I mean, just nuke it. By the way, did you see that that Arthur Smith thing? He gave like a five-minute so, yeah, answer the, whether yeah, or not using The diatribe about Bijan Robinson. And it, it gave no answer at all. I should go to their press conference and be like, uh, excuse me, coach. Why are you not running HB Dive with Bijan Robinson? He has one touch in the red zone all season long. They use the top coach 10 pick on him. Coach, excuse okay. me, coach, listen. Why are you not running HB Dive with the greatest HB Dive running back of all time? NFC West, you had the Sea Chickens at plus 230, plus 255. I had the Niners at minus 190. Yeah, I mean, I don't anything. I don't really think that I should double down on the Seahawks. Yeah. And, like, the Niners at minus 320. Not a lot of value there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, one that we didn't have in the preseason, but is available now. So uh, we are going to have our, our bets to this. On DraftKings, you can bet on the number one seed. Of each conference. Of each conference. Start with the AFC. Who do you want to go with your uh, number one seed in the AFC? Oh, Chiefs. I mean, I feel pretty confident in the Chiefs. They are the favorite at plus 150. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'm going to go with Baltimore, Chiefs. plus 290. I mean, I, th I think they have... Sneaky, that's a good pick. They have the two Bengals games, and obviously the division is is tough, but outside of that, yeah, it's they not still an overly to, hard division. They still have to play the Browns. Overly they, hard they, they play the Browns this Sunday. Yes. This their first time playing them, I think? Second. They beat them, I think, 28-3. to three, Okay, the first okay, one. okay. And they have to play the Steelers once more, because the Steelers beat them, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. weirdly. So th- they'll probably beat the Steelers the second time. It's, I don't it's know, man. I don't know. They also have the Chargers, the Rams at Jacksonville, at San Francisco. So it, it's a that tough, tough schedule. Yeah, that it's is definitely tough. tough. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. I, I, I could just see them getting the one seed. I'll, I'll okay. give them plus 290. I like the odds there. Chiefs. Uh, one seed in the NFC. Dude, the Eagles. why are the Lions plus 250? That must feels, have an easy schedule. I mean, that doesn't feel right to me. That value, that doesn't feel right to me at all. Here's their upcoming schedule. At Chargers versus Bears versus Packers. At Saints. <laughs> at Bears versus Broncos. <laughs> at Vikings. At Cowboys and versus Vikings. Wow. So what, the, what, the, most they are, what are they? Are they 6-2 and two right yeah, now? Yeah, they're 6-2. So I most mean, they lose, lose two or three? <laughs> That's why? The 13-4 and four Lions? I guess so. That's absurd. That is absurd. That is ridiculous. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to take the Niners here. I, I trust that the Niners will, will figure it out. And I think the fact that the Eagles have a tough schedule, uh, I'm going San Francisco. Yeah, so we, we just talked about the Eagles' schedule, and that's exactly where I'm going. Niners are plus 450. This is what they did last year. They were like 3-4 and four at one point, and then they just went on a roll to finish. Uh, they're at Jacksonville this weekend, but they're coming off a bye. Game. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jacksonville's actually been worse at home, weirdly enough. Then they have Tampa <laughs> Bay at home, at Seattle, at Philadelphia, but they're going to be playing ramped up because that was the NFC Championship game. Uh, versus Seattle at Arizona. I, I think the, the 49ers could lose just maybe one game the rest of the way. Yeah. And with the Eagles having that tough stretch, I like the odds there at uh, plus 450. I feel the same. I think the Niners, to your point, I, it, it feels like they had their tough stretch coming off a of bye now. I think they might just start rolling. Yeah, for sure. Okay, on to the uh, award section for Offensive Player of the Year. You had Justin Jefferson at 14-1. to 1. He's Bad. Hurt. That's not going to happen. <clears throat> I Tyreek Hill at 20-1, to 1, so I'm loving Good that pick. pick. Good pick. Um, would you like to add a pick? Mm. Uh, let's see here. Tyreek Hill's the favorite, co-favorites with uh, Christian McCaffrey, I, even though I, McCaffrey's been hurt. I like A.J. Brown, honestly. Yeah, did you know A.J. Brown has like only 50 he's, less receiving yards yeah, than Tyreek Hill? Yeah, he's been insane. <laughs> So uh, I'm gonna I'll sprinkle I'll sprinkle on AJ Brown okay. plus five fifty plus five fifty a little bit of AJ Brown I'll stick action. with it there uh, defensive player of the year you had Sauce Gardner yeah bad and yeah that's just a little tough with the Jets uh, bad, he was twenty one yeah. I had Micah Parsons at plus four fifty he's now the favorite so what are the odds on I'm looking to see if I can even find Sauce Gardner to see I'm what gonna the odds sit. are now I don't yeah, even, I don't see, even see Sauce on there you can get his <laughs> teammate Quinn and Williams at hundred to one so who so who you had Parsons yes I mean this feels like. It's a three-horse race. Yeah, Parsons, Garrett, T.J. Watt. What about Max Crosby coming off a three-sack game? He's twenty-two to one. Um, if the Raiders get hot, and what if the Raiders sneak into like the seven seed? And Max <laughs> Crosby has twenty happen. sacks. First I don't of all, think so. That's not going to happen. Okay, that's not going to happen at all. <laughs> I mean, don't even. I mean, I, I can't believe you even would think like suggest that. That's absurd. That's disgust. I'm sickened. I am disgusted by. You no, know, they go like five and I am three Brett, down Dude, the I'm stretch. like Brett Bielema. I am sickened and disgusted by that. By well, that. Here's Sauce Gardner. He's 150 to one. <laughs> but they have uh, as a mod Gardner. They went with the real name. Oh, I'll go with T.J. Watt here. Okay, I'll sprinkle on T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt going because I think because uh, I think what's more likely is what you just talked about with the Raiders is what the Steelers will do. T.J. Watt will go crazy. And the Steelers will sneak into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and T.J. Watt will win. MVP, you had Lamar at sixteen hundred. He is uh, the favorite right now. Yeah, I feel good about that. So I feel good about that one a lot. Yeah. I had Josh Allen seven to one. Don't feel great about that. I'm just going to hedge with Joe Burrow at seven to one. Okay. You know the narrative yeah. comes their side. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I had a big game that. against the Bills for sure. 
For sure. That is seven to one. Yeah, you do have narrative on your side there. Uh, Coach of the year, you had Dougie P, which is a pretty good pick. Doug Peterson at uh, 20 to one. Now, they've been flying under the radar. His odds are lower now than they were before the season started. I had Andy Reid. I was like, what if the Chiefs get the one seed? You know, maybe you can't deny it again, but his odds are actually down to 60 to one now, despite being the one seed. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go John Harbaugh at 10 to one. Mm. Yeah. I The problem with Dougie P is, like we just talked about, especially with Coach of the Year, it is a narrative-driven award. Dougie P does not have the narrative on his side right now. People are not talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, maybe if they beat the – they're playing the Niners, right? If they beat the Niners, maybe they start to get the narrative on their side and people start kind of feeling good about that. But I don't think think Dougie P is going to win it. I like D'Amico Ryan's sneaky, actually. Mm. I think that could be a good one. Are you going to add that? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean – Dude, if the Lions win, if the Lions are the one seed, Dan Campbell's getting it, right? Yeah, but he's the favorite at plus 180. I know. So the odds aren't great there. Mm. You know what? Give me D'Amico Ryans. Okay. D'Amico Ryans to one. five to one. All right, we're running out of time, so we're going to skip over the uh, rookie of the year stuff here. Um, That's and fine. Go, actually, we're going to skip past the uh, leader stuff as well. We're going to go to the, uh, the playoff stuff. Let's just okay. go straight to AFC winner and NFC winner. You had the Chiefs plus three thirty to win the AFC. I had the Buffalo Bills at five to one. Would you like to add anything there? Uh, let me look at the odds real quick. AFC winner. Maybe I'll just. Uh, I'll. I'll See, go Bengals. You're toiling with the idea of like. I'll go Bengals. You don't want to bet against the Chiefs, I but don't. you have this whole time said this is the prophecy of the Bengals. I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle Bengals. All right, so you're going with the Bengals there. What are they going off as? Uh, six to one. Six, six to one. That's good odds right there. I think so, too. I had the Bills before the season five to one. Again, I don't feel great about that. They're injured. They're uh, fading a bit. I'm going to go with Baltimore, plus 450. They have the number one defense in the NFL right now. And Lamar's playing really well. They're yeah. finally figuring out with the offense and everything. doesn't matter who the running back is. They're just having the, success. The problem with the Baltimore is Lamar has been not good in the playoffs. So he'd have to shake that off. Yep. And I don't know. We'll see. But I'll add them. Uh, let's see. NFC winner, you had the Niners at plus 380. I just took a stab in the dark because I was like, well, you know, it's kind of <laughs> wide open after the Eagles and the 49ers. So I took Atlanta at plus 2200. Bad. I'm going to pick somebody else. Yeah. Mm, the Seahawks do anything for you? Not from that perspective. Like, I think okay. the Seahawks could win a playoff game. Yeah. But I just, I, I don't. But dude, like, do you see Geno Smith exactly. winning, like, three playoff dude, this, games? This is how I determine, like, this type of stuff. I think to myself, is Geno Smith going to be starting the starting quarterback in a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. No. So then why would I do this? Right? Is Dak Prescott going to be a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl? Eh, maybe. Is Derek Carr going to be a quarter, starting quarterback in the Super Bowl? Eh, no. Uh, I'm going to stick with my pick. I'm going to stick with the Niners. Okay. I am going to add Dallas. Okay. I don't feel great about it because Dallas just does not do well in the postseason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'll take them plus 475. I think there's good odds there. And then Super Bowl winner, you had the Chiefs plus oh, 600. Yeah. I had the Ravens plus 1,800. So that was a good pick. I like that one. For that was a good pick. Value. Uh, I like the Chiefs, too. So You're sticking with it? Stick with the Chiefs. I am going to add Cincinnati here. I, I think the odds of 12 to 1, I think those are way too high. I think they should be closer to where like the Niners or the Ravens are, which is in single digits. Yeah. I don't entirely disagree with that. So just because of the value, I'm taking the Bengals. I'm terrified of the Bengals right now. 12 to 1. Yes. I mean, agreed. terrified. Yeah. 
the worst thing. All right, uh, that is our NFL midseason betting preview. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Olathe. About a quarter till five, we're going to have Darnell Jackson joining the show in about 20 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us now in studio. Uh, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, the important stuff, um, thank you to you for, for shouting out. We played the audio earlier this week on the show with, with you and Greg Gurley, and Greg shooting down the, the furf and or I, <laughs> I forget which furfy? one we were on at the time. It's surf and furfy. furfy. We have since edited to we like furf and turf okay. a little bit more, but we had users, we had we had listeners submit in some of their favorites, and uh, me and Nick have for picked Perfect. our favorites, and we're going to pitch them to you and have you pick your favorite two, okay. and then we're going to put them up for a poll and let the RCST <laughs> listeners decide. This is great. <laughs> Can I toss in another update? Yes, I, sir, I've please. been working on this as well. Okay. Okay. On behalf of RCST as like an RCST <laughs> alumnus, I ran into Johnny the other day, mm-hmm. and I said, listen... The, the flagship affiliate here, they're, they're polling the audience. They want to give you a nickname. He swears he's never had one before. Okay. He doesn't have any vested interest in well, this. Well, see, for him, when he's growing up in Australia, nobody's going to be like, yeah, hey, no- you need an Australian <laughs> right. nickname. Exactly. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but I, I mentioned the surf and furf, and and, uh, and then I said the one that Steve Kincaid Which came up with. Which is my favorite so far. Yeah. Crocodile fur fee. Mm-hmm. And you got to say it like fur yes, fee. like Dundee. Like yeah. Dundee. And, and there's a, now, does he know what that movie is? I don't know, but, okay. but I ran it by him. Just, we were walking and talking as he was heading from weights to the gym. So, you know, really important conversation to be had right there. Uh, he's, he's thinking about, you know, yeah. Bill Self's about to ask of him, and here I am saying, hey, what do you think of this? Right. And he did not like Crocodile Fur Fee. Oh. He, he looked at me and he goes, nah, that's not it. Uh, and I'm like, okay. Uh, he's like, that's not the okay. one. Um, and Steve is going to be crushed to hear oh, that. That's too bad. That was my favorite. And, really and, and I, I told Steve you felt that way, and, and he kind of puffed out his chest a little bit. But what matters most is not what Brian or Derek think right. or what Nick thinks. It's what Crocodile Furfy himself sure. thinks. Mm. So we'll find out. Okay. But just know that we're also working over there at 1651 Naismith Drive to workshop this okay. with you. It's it's high priority right yes. now. Well, then I'll take that out of mind. Nick, what, what were your two or three favorites? Okay, so I like Furf and Turf. Uh, also, Furfy's Law, like Murphy's Law, <laughs> Furfy's Law. You know, okay. Everything that what, what's Murphy's everything, everything that, that will can go, go bad will yeah. go bad yeah but everything so it's like that everything can that can be dunked dunked will be dunked everything that the can idea. go in will go in uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. okay okay, Fur- okay. So Murphy's that. law uh, also uh, swag when I furf. <laughs> <laughs> That one is hilarious but I don't think I could quickly get it yeah, off the no. tongue in the moment <laughs> no I don't think so uh, furfinator the furfinator see okay Nick keeps <laughs> I keep telling him this Arnold was Austrian. Not Australian. See, that makes it more funny, I think, <laughs> that he's actually not Australian. <laughs> I guess, okay, I guess. Same starts on that. All right, here, here's my favorites. I like Furf's Up, which is kind of like the Surf's Up one. Okay. Furf's Up. Um, I'm getting I'm getting rid of the, uh, I guess, the Crocodile Furfy one. Um, Vegemite Dynamite. Have you ever heard of Vegemite? I heard you guys talking about this. Yes. 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 I had not, but now I, I am either. aware. Yeah. So... And then uh, this was another, I I think this one kind of simple, rolls off the tongue, alliteration, Kansas kangaroo. 
Yeah, we we were trying to think of something with kangaroo. Yeah, but like so, it's like it's, Captain Kangaroo. A little bit, except it's Kansas, it's Kansas. Ca- yeah. Kangaroo. Okay, yeah. okay, solid. And we're still, you know, workshopping, so we're still. Yeah, we're in, we're in the lab. But. <laughs> we're in the lab on this one. Good news is he's only one game into his career. He's only That's two right. made baskets in, so we've got some mm-hmm. time on this. Well, I want to bring this one up too. This is pretty good, but I here I'll, I'll tell you why I didn't like this. The Outback Kid, which kind of like the comeback kid, yeah, the Outback Kid, but also like, I don't know, is is that like? I don't think he views like because people think Outback Outback Steakhouse. I don't think he like that'd be like me being called I'm Chili's Derek Johnson. You know what I mean? Right. right. I, I don't know that that's a good one. I had a horrible experience at an Outback in Ankeny, Iowa. We could go by the way. Just tossing that out there. Okay. Like they they advertise one thing and bring you out something very yeah. different. Yeah. I, I almost talked to Damon Greaves at the hotel mm. afterwards. Our punter. Well, I guess we can use one of these for him, not the ones with first. We should actually. Yeah. He can be the Kansas we kangaroo have, growing on. I don't know. And we should have Damon weigh in as well. We should. Yeah. He's delightful, by the way. Yeah, I spent about yeah. 10 minutes with him earlier this week, and he's awesome. Come to find out, the two separate sides of the continent that they lived on is like a four-hour flight oh. from one to the other. Oh, really? So, so they, so they small. couldn't have been yeah. farther apart. But there was a time where Damon was kicking for a pro team, Aussie Rules football team, in Johnny's hometown. They didn't know each other then, but that was the one time when they were geographically close. But Damon might be the perfect guy to weigh in on because he would have that natural Aussie influence of, eh, that's not very cool, versus, (laughs) all right, there we go. However they would say that in Australian. Uh, We'll we'll keep workshopping it, and and maybe we'll get a chance to talk to one of those two guys at at some point in the next week or so. Um, Let's see, KU basketball tomorrow on Friday night against Manhattan. We also get them against Kentucky on Tuesday Excellent opening performance, including, I thought, from from Johnny Furphy, and I continue to be really interested in, in what his role is going to be. We heard Bill Self after the game saying that you know he's not in competition right now to be the starter because he missed time. I kind of think long-term he might be the fifth guy, but th- that's a story for another day. What, what are you looking for out of Kansas these next couple of games, specifically on Friday, to kind of tune them up for, for the Kentucky game on Tuesday? Well, obviously, 13 of 23 from downtown is not sustainable. 57% is awesome. And it should have been north of 60 if the walk-ons didn't come in and start jacking them up. And I love the walk-ons, by the way. Yeah. I, I get into it more than anybody. And we were placing our bets, by the way, in the last two minutes. Who's going to be the guy that puts us over 100? I had Pat Cassidy, by the way. Mm. And we wind up getting two walk-ons hurt in that game. Did you hear that on Yeah, Hot Wilder Talk? Evers I saw got hurt. And then, yeah, uh, and Cassidy. Was Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we didn't hit 100. So yeah. so Jankovic is our pregame guest tomorrow night. We've already taped the interview. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? You guys had six <laughs> minutes to get this done. How do you not get over 100? Gurley on the broadcast was saying free corn dogs if they hit 100. And I'm like, are you going to Sonic to yeah, pick up right. the tab on that? Because that's not an official promotion. corn dog day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, all the threes they hit were a ton of fun. And I want you guys to think back for the last six weeks of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. How many segments have you done on... Who's going to hit the threes for Kansas, and is this a concern, and all that? Hey, one good shooting night doesn't make that all of a sudden go away, but what it should tell us is we can hit the the brakes a little bit on the panic factor because you do have some good shooters on this team. No, Grady Dick isn't walking through that door, and no, Kevin McCullough isn't going to keep hitting four threes a game like he has his last two times out. But is it reasonable to expect him to be significantly improved where he goes from low 30s to upper 30s in percentile? Absolutely. Is it reasonable to expect that Nick Timberlake, after a certain amount of natural acclimation from Towson to a place like Kansas, eventually settles in and hits around 40% after being at 41.6 a year ago? Absolutely. And can Hunter hit, if not one a game, then, you know, one Every couple games, mm-hmm. sure. He hit three the other night. I don't think that's going to be the norm. But 
all of these things add up to us being formidable from around the arc. So to answer your question, more of the same, not at 57%, but let's head to Chicago on a high note offensively and feel like some good stuff's happening there. I think when I sat in this chair last week, we talked about Timberlake hitting his last three of the Fort Hayes State game and how I thought that might be a difference maker because he'd missed his previous, let me count them up, seven mm. in Champaign and Fort Hayes State. He hit his last one, and you hoped that that would just kind of take the pressure off. So my hope before you go to the United Center, the house that Jordan built, you got multiple guys feeling good about their jump shot. And clearly we had that leaving Monday. Let's hope that's the case leaving Friday night. But uh, beyond that, you know, you just want to see guys like El Marco, now the reemergence of Jamari, who should be back tomorrow night, and Johnny. All these guys just get a few more reps, settle in. Bill wants El Marco to play fast, but don't think too much. And, and, be comfortable out there. And that's that's hard to ask of a guy who's only been playing organized basketball for about four years, and now you're playing it in front of 16,300. But that's what games like NC Central and Manhattan are meant to do. Get used to the surroundings. Get used to your teammates. It gets real in a hurry on Tuesday, but work out a few of those kinks and get acclimated a little bit more with a game like Manhattan. Now, KU football, also on Saturday. I mean, gosh, busy time of the year for you. You go basketball Friday, football Saturday, basketball Tuesday. Um, then you're back at it, football the next Saturday. Then you're in Maui. So uh, lots of travel and everything for you. But uh, KU football-wise, I, I thought Jason Bean, that was the best game of his season. We've been kind of talking, was it the best game of his career? He had the Oklahoma State game last year. But uh, rolling into this game against Texas Tech, a Tech team that has really good running back and uh, kind of a, I don't know, a, trap game i don't know if that's the right word here because tech's only four and five but i think they're better than the record you have kansas state next week what what are some of your biggest keys to, to KU pulling it off on saturday well first off this shouldn't go on a nickname poll on our cst's website but what we saw saturday was clean bean all right yeah. it was as clean a game mistake free no self-inflicted wounds you know you hate to say it but he kind of prior to Saturday, had that M.O. of, well, one or two passes a half could get you in trouble. Doesn't mean you get picked one or two times a half, but there's one or two errant throws that could get you beat. And this was a day where he stayed away from those throws. He put balls into tight windows. I mean, some of those, the one he dropped yeah, the into Grimm, sideline right? once, side a Skinner that a was million, a top 10 play. Yeah. I mean, he had some big-time next-level throws, and to me, he played within himself, and it was clean bean, all right? <laughs> so let's hope it's more of that because Texas Tech, similar to Iowa State, Kansas matches up very well and favorably in most cases, but the one way you get beat is if you shoot yourself in the foot with some of the turnovers. Joey McGuire's teams are 7-2 and two when they at least tie in the turnover margin, all right? That's in two seasons there. So Obviously, it's an opportunistic team. They had a, one defensive back have two picks himself last week, which really keyed the win over TCU. Got to stay away from those self-inflicted wounds. We're not going to be able to count on getting scores every week defensively like we have been. That's crazy. Four defensive touchdowns tied for the nation's lead. Can't count on that. But think about how important those have been in the BYU game, in the game last week. What's your final margin last yeah, week? Five points. 28-21. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I, was, I was thinking so, the Oklahoma game two weeks but, ago. Yeah, yeah. Then, but, but the point yeah. is, yeah. And, and yeah, Oklahoma game, yeah. five-point five margin. We had a pick six in that one, mm -hmm. too. Maybe we don't win without these. You can't count on those all the time. But let's hope the defense continues to play 
I don't want to say dominating football, but that first half was pretty dominant in Ames. And Kansas seized control early, as we predicted they might, put pressure on the opposition by burying them in a two-score deficit early and watch them squirm a little bit. How many times have we been on the other side of that narrative trying to climb out of a 17 or a 24-point hole? I'm not saying that's going to be the case on Saturday. But if the defense can get off to a fast start and, and it's clean bean, moving the ball down the field without mistakes – it does put pressure on Morton and the Tech offense. And suddenly, as great as Taj Brooks is, and he's really good, 68 broken tackles, leads the Power Five, suddenly you're having to air it out and, and, and hustle back in this game if Kansas can play from out in front. And Tech is certainly comfortable airing it out, don't get me wrong. But if you can do what you did at Iowa State and control it from start to finish, I think there's way more pressure on Baron Morton and this uh, this Tech team that than they want to have in this instance. And for a Kansas team that, believe it or not, has only won twice in the entire series Never won history. by more than three. 22 losses, yeah. two wins. They went from Terry Allen in 01 all the way to 2019 before they beat him again with David Beatty. Who would have thought in the series history that Mangino wouldn't have a win in there and Leipold's going to try to get one this week, but... This is one of those series where we got a lot of catching up to do. Let's hope it starts on Saturday. He is the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Hear him on the call Friday night for KU Manhattan at 7 and the call on Saturday at 11 a.m. KU Texas Tech. Uh, before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. Quick word from Nate Miller. He's my man. He's uh, got the financial game plan for me and my friends. He can do the same for you. Sit down with Nate today. He'll evaluate your current financial portfolio or build one from scratch. He wants to meet with you. MillerRetirementGroup.com. All right, that's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Two hours down, one to go. Darnell Jackson is going to join us next. Uh, first, quick th- disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, more RCST after this time out in Fox News. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We have Hawk Talk with Brandon Schneider, the KU women's basketball coach, tonight after the show in about an hour. High School Sports Weekly after that. Tomorrow, you can listen to the uh, KU Manhattan game at 7, pregame at 5.30 after the show. We're joined now by a special guest, Darnell Jackson, D-Block, a national champion at KU, former All-Big 12 player, had a lengthy pro career, and he's got a new book out, Darnell Appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, I, I want to talk about the book real quick. Behind the Smile is the name of it. What What is the book about, and what made you want to get into writing a book? Uh, the book is about my life. You know, everything I've been through as a child, as a young teen, adult. You know, a lot of people know what I went through at Kansas, but a lot of people don't know what I went through after Kansas. Um, so this was my opportunity just to give a blueprint of guidance, and some triumphs and and some trials and tribulations I've been through. And Behind the Smile, the title is just of, you know, when we're smiling at people, we really don't know what's going on on the inside of our lives or or what's going on at home or, or what's going on at work. And, and and it's important for us to check on each other. And and this was just an opportunity, like I said, just to finally get – get this off my chest and it was a healing process for me so I'm, I'm really excited about getting my book out yeah so so a bit cathartic for you is is part of this as well not just like you said a healing process but is part of this as well trying to help other people who are maybe going through stuff to try to realize that hey there there are people you're looking up to role models you're looking up to that that are going through similar stuff as well yes sir definitely very important 
we all need guidance. We all don't have the answers. Um, the unknown is, is very scary. But what, the most important thing that we can do is try to prepare for the future. And, and that's my thing. Like, I, I just always try to think next step. What can I do to prepare myself for what's to come? Because I feel like I've been through it all, and I know there's people back at home in Oklahoma. Might be people in Kansas, Kansas City, anywhere in the world that are probably going through the same things that I went through now. Well, I think it's interesting that the book is behind the smile, and you talked about you don't know what's going on uh, behind everybody's smile. But I was I was literally just talking with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, and we were saying. You're on the short list of best smiles at KU. You had a, a glowing smile that warmed up a room. So I, how were you able to overcome some of the things, you know, that you maybe had to deal with growing up or, or off the court and, and turn into a positive vibe and, and be somebody that, you know, people viewed as, as being uh, a really happy, outcoming source of energy? Yes, sir. Honestly, it was my son. Like, uh, my son, Maceo, you know, his name means uh, gift from God and, and bronze titan. And when he was born and when I had the opportunity to hold him and when I gave him back to the nurse, like I just had all this emotion just come out of me like to the point where I felt like I was going to pass out because I just kept crying and thinking about my mom and my grandma and everything that I've been through in my life. Like he, he really helped me heal. He kept me intact. He kept me grounded. Like when I'm not with my son or my daughter, it, like it, it scares me sometimes because I want to be around them all the time. Like even when I got to go pick them up from school, I was sitting in front of my daughter's school for three hours until she gets out. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's, yeah. Like I love it. Like I, I love being a parent. I love being a father. I love taking them to parks and do events. Like they really saved my life. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I, I'm expecting a child in a couple months. So you have me excited for, for some of the things that I'm going to get to experience there with that. Now, when Amen. You, yeah. When you go back into your, uh, you know, KU career, or basketball career, uh, do, you, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite game or, or a favorite memory or play or anything? Like, what is it that sticks out to you the most about, I, I guess, your KU playing career and, and your basketball playing career? Well, the well, the favorite moment for me, I talk about this a lot, is Boston College. Uh, I had, like, an emotional breakdown. And, you know, Coach T, Coach Self, Mario, like, man, those guys were there for me. And, and, and one thing that they did, they helped me with, with that pain. They told me to go out there, put it all on the court for my mom and for my grandma. And that's what I did, man. Like, those group of guys, like, I love those guys to death. Because, you know, there was, I was always going through something, man, and they were always there for me. Yeah, and you, you start 35 games that final season on, on the national championship team. You had started four games. You, you were playing a lot and, and being part of the rotation, but uh, to be a starter on the national title team, what was that like going into your senior season where, you know, is it going to be you? Is it going to be Sasha Khan, whoever it is? And, you know, in the end, you guys were both playing and everything. But uh, what uh, I, guess, I guess how rewarding was that when, when you were the starter on that team and now reflecting back on it that you get to say, yeah, I was a starter. I was an All Big Twelve pick on on a team that won the national title. Honestly, I'm a, honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I didn't care. Coach T, he came and asked, and he during practice, he was like, "Hey, do you want to start?" And I told him, I was like, "No, like I'm okay with coming off the bench. Like, let Sasha start." You know, I didn't care who got the credit. You know, I was I was blessed and, and some luck 
came with that too for me to become a starter, you know, for that Jayhawk team. And my job was just to do everything that I could to make sure <laughs> to make sure we got the job done. Yeah, do you have a favorite memory off the court uh, with your teammates? Uh, after we won the 2008 championship, <laughs> for sure. And I remember the security blowing a whistle. I don't know if it was security guards or the cops. <laughs> and I'm not going to say their names. They know who they are. A couple of the guys jumped into the into the, the little river back there at a hotel in San Antonio. And they were running away from the cops. So that, that's one memory I would never forget. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, what's what's the most mad that the Bill Self got at you? And, you know, we, we always hear all the time Bill Self recruiting a lot different than mm-hmm. Bill Self, the practice coach that you're having to go out to. What, what was the most mad that Coach Self maybe got, uh, I, I don't know, in a practice or boot camp or something at, at either you or the team? Man, when my ass wouldn't, when I wouldn't run. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Coach Self. Like, man, I just want to play basketball. I don't want to run all these suicides. So that's that's the most he ever got mad at me. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, I I remember hearing one story about something uh, with you involved in in coming super early in the morning, um, but I I can't remember all the the details around it. Maybe during a boot camp or something like that. I I, I don't know. Uh, just kind of funny stories there that, that you can kind of have yeah. out. Um, so how much do you guys as, as KU players, whether it's the guys you did play with or the guys that came after you or before you, how, how much do you guys all kind of keep in contact with each other and, and you know, keep an eye and, and keep tabs kind of on the current team and, and the current players and how everything's going? Honestly, I, I feel like we do a pretty good job keeping in contact with each other, like especially Sharon, Russell, Mario, or even Drew, Aaron Miles, Mike Lee, Nick Collison. Like I, I reach out to those guys, like you know, when I'm when I'm having a moment or if I have a question about anything, and I hit those guys, they respond right back. So you know, that's what the Jayhawk family is all about. We have to be there for each other, no matter what. What was draft night like when when you get picked in in the second round, seeing your name, um, you know, being selected, getting that phone call? How, how rewarding of a moment was that? Getting uh, drafted into the NBA. Well, I was sitting in uh, in my aunt's weight room. And I was on the phone with my cousin, and I heard a lot of people screaming in the next room. <laughs> um, the next thing I know, everybody's busting through the door, screaming like, oh, you got drafted, you got drafted. I look at the TV, my name came across the TV, and it was, it was for me to go to Miami. And I was just like, oh, I guess we're going to Miami. Then the next thing I know, Mike Brown is calling my mom's cell phone, and she gave me the phone, and Coach Mike was like, hey, big fella, you're coming to Cleveland. And, and the first thing I thought about was my grandmother. You know, I walked away and I went to the other room and, you know, I just had a moment by myself and I cried because it was just, you know, I know that was one of her dreams just to see me make it. That's awesome. And and so you play, you know, a, a little bit of time in the NBA, then the NBA lockout hits and, and you decide to go play overseas for a bit. Um, and, and you've experienced a lot of different basketball, whether it was overseas, the NBA, uh, big three, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I, I guess what what has kind of been the craziest part for you about, your basketball career or maybe playing overseas? The craziest part is not getting paid. Oh, and, man. And, oh, man. Like, I'd have been cross seas so many times and, and and playing with these teams and playing for five, six months and you're not receiving a payment. Or they tell you, oh, we're going to pay you when you go home and you don't receive anything and you go home with nothing. Like, that was the toughest wow. thing. And I think, like, for me, when COVID hit, I was in Poland still playing, and they didn't even pay me the rest of my contract. So me and my family were, you know, stuck in Poland for a few months. 
you know, with no money coming in. So luckily we were able to get out of there when they opened things back up a little bit. And, and I came back home, and I, that's when I made the decision that I'm going to jump into coaching. That's crazy that, that you wouldn't get paid. And, and I wouldn't even know where to begin, what to do if you're in that situation because you're overseas and it's not like you can easily go to like, oh, we'll go to a lawyer and sue right. or something, right? Right, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So did you have a favorite experience, though, of, of somewhere along your professional career, like maybe one country where things weren't like that? Yeah, China. China was amazing. And, and that's interesting because I've heard other f- former players kind of say the same thing. What is it about about playing in China professionally that, that makes it so it, fun? It's just like, like they love the sport differently than here. And, you know, it's hard to explain, but, like, the love that they give their players, their imports, the organizations, like, everything is first class. And and they made sure, like, whatever I needed, they took care of it. Money was on time, injuries, whatever you needed, they made sure that they were there for you. Well, you mentioned getting into coaching now. How did your playing career affect how you want to come across as a coach and, and how you are from a coaching perspective? Um, I don't think my playing career had anything to do with it. It was it was me watching certain coaches that I like personally. Like, you know, I didn't throw Coach Self in there. Uh, Steve Kerr, Popovich. Uh, those are now Paul Hewitt. Like, I'm, I'm trying to take a little bit from everybody to mold my own formula because one thing that I did tell myself, like I want to try to build one of the biggest dynasties the world has ever seen as a basketball coach. Yeah. What's, what's the ultimate goal for you? Are you, are you wanting to become a head coach in yeah, the yeah, NBA? Yeah, You're coach. looking to college. Yeah. What's the goal? No, I, I want to be a head coach. It, it could be college. It could be the NBA. It could be NBA G League. It could be cross seed. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for the first seat. I want to be in the first seat. Love it. And uh, I, I guess what, I don't know, uh, what What are the biggest lessons? Because you mentioned Bill Self, and that, that was quite a list of coaches you put there, Greg Popovich yeah. and some of the guys you listed. But but what are some of the biggest uh, – I, I don't know. Have, have you talked to, to Bill Self lately about – and has he given you any advice about, you know, becoming uh, – or I guess working in the coaching world? Well, when I came back for the round ball classes, you know, I had an opportunity just to sit there and, and watch practice. And the biggest thing that I kept hearing the coaches talk about is just being consistent being consistent, being efficient, and, and playing your ass off. I mean, you got to play hard, especially at this next level. you got to do it every day the same way, every day. And and you can't relax. You know, because there's, there's a million players out here in this world that's trying to make it to the NBA. All right, if, if you had to coach one of your former teammates at KU, which would be the one that you think would be the hardest to coach that would give you the hardest time? The hardest time. Whether it would just be them yelling back at you or causing trouble or just be the, I don't honestly, know. <laughs> I, honestly, none of them. I would okay. say Darnell Jackson. Okay, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the answer. That, that's a, see, that's a good coach answer, and that's a good, uh, good teammate answer because you're not, I guess, throwing anybody under the bus or anything. But, uh, again, the book is called Behind the Smile. How, how can people get a hold of it? Where can people uh, buy the book? Uh, you can get the book on Amazon. Um, it's on Amazon and the paperback and the ebook is available on Amazon and I will be dropping a hard copy to, at, tonight at midnight and that will be available as well on Amazon. Love it. Well, Darnell, I appreciate the time, man, and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week and, and good luck on all the book sales and everything. 
Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You too. All right, that's Darnell Jackson, former Jayhawk national champion. Again, Behind the Smile, the name of the book. Get it on Amazon or uh, anywhere you get your books. Uh, we're going to take a timeout. We've got some audio coming at you on the other side from the KU Women's Basketball postgame from last night. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.